I think we know this verse here, but uh, um, <clears throat> I was just reading some of the history about uh, uh, Thanksgiving, you know, and um, uh, it says here in Psalm 100, verse 4, it says, Enter his, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. And one of the things that um, I think is helpful for Christians to develop in their lives is to be thankful. Uh, and um, uh, we should always be thankful because it really helps us focus on the things that are important. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, I've worked in the world, I've worked in the corporate world, and, you know, it seems like it's always a race to, to who can rag on the company the most, right? Who can rag on, on uh, you know, uh, and I've seen husbands rag on their wives and wives rag on their husbands and parents rag on their children and children rag on their, you know, on their parents about how bad everything is. And, uh, and <coughs> you know, if you focused on instead of those things, instead of uh, those things, uh, focus on being thankful for what the Lord has done for you. You know, you won't be in such a foul mood all the time, right? Because you remember what the Lord's done for you instead of remember, uh, trying to think of all the things he hasn't done for you or, you know, uh, what your spouse has done for you instead of all the things uh, they haven't done for you. Um, and, and, and it's really a, just a good, uh, it's a good, healthy Christian attitude to maintain is to be thankful. Uh, be thankful for your church and thankful for your pastors. And, you know, I know lots of times even in churches, people will have a tendency to start you know, complaining about the pastor. Well, I don't, you know, he preaches too long or, you know, he, you know, uh, his jokes aren't funny enough, you know, whatever the thing is, right? Uh, and they'll, and, and, and instead of being thankful, it doesn't mean that we have to ignore things. And, uh, but uh, having a general attitude of thankfulness is really helpful to us as Christians. It'll help us uh, walk the path that the Lord wants us to walk. Uh, and, um, you know, it's probably not a, a good time to go through it right now, but if you go over to, to 2 Timothy chapter 3, it talks about you know, perilous times are going to come. They talk about all these bad things are going to come, about, and we, these bad attitudes people are going to have. And right in the middle of it says, one of them is they are unthankful. Uh, and, uh, you know, all the other things, blaspheming, you know, and, and all these other things, you know, uh, they, that they're talking about. But right in the middle of it is they are unthankful. Uh, and if you look at our country today, you know, I mean, uh, uh, I don't, there's no perfect countries in the world, right? Uh, but, you know, our country's pretty good, right? I mean, we try to help people. You know, we've saved the world for how many things in the history of America, right? Uh, with World War One, World War Two, and, you know, all the, the science and technology that the Lord has brought to bear uh, for the, for, through this country that has helped other countries uh, develop then. And we're surely not perfect, but we could be thankful for the things we have done well. Uh, and you, and you, you listen to some people and they act like the United States has never done anything well. Uh, and and that's such a uh, such a rewriting of history, uh, and and it's not true. It's it's a hundred percent not true. Uh, and if we would be thankful for those things and remind us things of the good things that we have done as a country, uh, and some people say the church has never been a help to the world. That's such a lie. The church has, has advanced the cause of Christianity uh, from the beginning. And yeah, we we surely haven't been perfect. But how many people in the world have been helped because the church exists? Uh, and so we should be thankful for that. Amen. Uh, and of course, he said, be thankful to the Lord. Uh, and, you know, I thank the Lord all the time. Uh, you know, one of the things uh, long before I knew the Lord, when I was even uh, in elementary school, and I, you know, and, and uh, I don't know what prompted me to do these things. But even as I remember as uh, early as second grade, I would pray and thank the Lord for things. Uh, now, I wasn't even a Christian, but I, but I wanted to know the Lord. And I remember praying as a, as a child no one prompting me to do it. You know, I didn't know why I was doing it, but I, uh, I was just thankful for who he made me to be. Uh, and, um, <clears throat> of course, uh, as time went on, he, he arranged my life so that I could, I could meet him personally uh, in the sense of accepting him as my Lord and Savior. Uh, and, you know, and I'm thankful for that. You know? uh, and I'm always thankful for who the Lord has made me to be and what, what gifts and talents the Lord has given to me. Uh, and that doesn't mean anybody else doesn't have those. I'm just, you know, be thankful for, for what the Lord has provided for me. Uh, and just all the time, you know, things happen and, you know, a, an event will occur and, and maybe you know, I almost, you know, almost, you know, hit my thumb with a hammer, but I didn't. You know, in situations like that, I'm always thankful. I always t stop and tell the Lord, you know, thank you, Lord, for, for uh, not letting that hammer hit my thumb. Just all the time, I'm always thankful to the Lord in, in every single day. I don't know that a day goes by that I don't thank him for something. Just, Lord, thank you for waking me up. Thank you for doing things, you know. 
Uh, I haven't used an alarm, alarm clock in years. And if I need to get up, you know, I just decide I'm going to get up at whatever time. And I wake up, you know, oftentimes a minute or two before that exact time. And I, Lord, thank you for waking me up, you know. Uh, and so it just, I'm just always thankful. And, and, you know, this time of year, you know, the, the, the level of tension increases sometimes because there's a rush to beat people to Walmart to get all the deals or whatever, you know, there's a rush to buy everything and make everything and do everything. But you, we should take some time and be thankful uh, in this season because I love this. I love the holiday season. I love Thanksgiving. I love Christmas. I love everything about them. Uh, and uh, people, you know, they try to take the Lord out of Christmas, except for the problem that it's called Christmas, you know. <laughs> so uh, it makes, you know, all the secular people mad, you know, and, and I kind of thankful that it makes them mad, you know. I, you know, I'm thankful for that, Lord. Thank you that make all these heathens mad about, you know, the Lord. And so I don't care about that, you know, and I'm not trying to make them mad, but it doesn't bother me to make them mad, you know. Uh, uh, but I'm thankful that the, the, the Lord gets to be on display every year at Christmas time. Uh, and, and there's no way to get around that. And so, uh, but, you know, I'm just thankful for the Lord. And, you know, are you thankful for the Lord in your life? Are you thankful for what he's done for you? Are you thankful for, uh, you know, my parents weren't the best parents, but, you know, I'm thankful that they raised me. I'm thankful that they brought me into this, into this world, right? Yeah, and, um, you know, every, every now and then, you know, uh, one of my kids will tell me something about, you know, that happens to some other other family or something, and, and I'll look at them and say, well, have you gone and thanked your mom for, for being your mom today, you know, uh, because there's some crazy event that, occur, or that occurred, you know, uh, maybe somebody burned a biscuit or something, and, you know, we'll go thank your mom that she's not burning biscuits, and, uh, and so it's just uh, find areas to, uh, uh, to be thankful to people, uh, and, uh, and, you know, a lot of times in dealing with conflict, um, you know, if you can learn to be thankful, um, you know, and we found some things just recently, right? How about that, Masu? And, and, uh, but if you can be thankful uh, when other people want to bring conflict into your life, it really takes them off guard because they don't know how to respond. You know, they, they want to be a brawler and start a fight. Uh, but if you can respond with being thankful, they'll look at you like, you know, what's wrong with you, right? Um, and so it's just a, it's a good attitude to have. He said, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Uh, be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. That's why we thank him. His mercy is everlasting. That's why we thank him. And his truth endureth to all generations. And so that's why we thank him. Amen. So are we thankful to the Lord? Uh, you know, I'm thankful for everything that he's done for me, everything that he's brought into my life, the people that he's brought into my life, the knowledge that he's brought into my life, the gifts and the talents that he's brought into my life, all the things that I own. You know, I'm just thankful for all the things he's brought into my life. Amen. Uh, and so listen, and, you know, in one thing, I'm thankful for all of you. You know, I tell the Lord, thank you for the people that come to our church, you know, that they're wonderful people and that they have great hearts for the Lord. You know, I'm thankful for every, every one of you all. Uh, and I remind the Lord uh, on a regular basis how thankful that I am uh, for all of you all. And so let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and then we'll get into praise and worship. For all the wonderful things you've done for us, Father, we want to remain as thankful children of the Most High God, thanking you for your spirit and your blessings and your word. so much thankful, so many things for us, Father. We want to thank you all the way back to the work of the Lord Jesus and all the way up till today when you woke us up this morning, gave us breath to breathe, Father, food to eat. Father, we're so thankful for all the things you've done for us. Father, we give you all praise and honor for these things. We thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? Amen. You know, if he's good, it's hard not to be thankful to him. Amen. Uh, but he is good. And so we appreciate his goodness and kindness. Amen. Uh, and so let's open up our Bibles to the book of uh, uh, Mark chapter 16. Uh, we'll get started there today. Uh, and so, uh, of course, we've been teaching on the anointing. And uh, specifically, uh, we want to learn how to work with the anointing uh, here. And... Um, and really, uh, you know, how that, me, how that works for us as individual Christians. And so our foundation scripture is here in Mark chapter 16. Uh, and it says, uh, after he gave the great commission, he said in verse 19, so then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up in heaven and sat on the right hand of, of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming, confirming the word with signs following. So uh, he said that, they, that the Lord was working with 
the disciples. So that's the thing that we want to learn as, as the church is how do we work with the Lord? You know, much of the church, you know, when you talk to Christians, you know, much of the church works for the Lord and they, they do things for him, for his benefit or for whatever reason they're doing them. Uh, but the, uh, the Lord wants us to work with them. We are partners together with him. In fact, we are the body of Christ, right? So we're not separate from him. We are him in a sense, right? And so we should be working with him. Uh, and he's not uh, some God far away in a distant land that, you know, communicates to us only on a rare occasion. And uh, the rest of the time we're, we have to stumble through life as best we can, not really knowing what we should do or where we should go. That's not the life that the Lord intended the Christian to live. The life that the Lord intended the Christian to live is a life that we work with him. Every day he's with us. Where does he reside? Where does the Spirit of God reside? He's in you right now. If he's in you as a child of God, then you have the right and the privilege and the design by heaven to work with him, to, to obtain all the things that you have need of in this life. But also, you know, the primary purpose of the church is to advance his kingdom, right? Bring other people into the kingdom of God. And we do that by this verse right here, by working with him. So we, we don't have to go into the world and try to outsmart the world, out uh, being more crafty than the world, being more intellectually uh, uh, trickier than the world to, to trick them into being saved or to, to outwit them or to, to use some kind of intellectual capacity that, that somehow we're smarter than the world. And uh, I mean, the world's dumb enough as they are. I mean, anybody who doesn't believe in the Lord, you know, I question their sanity. It's like, how would you not be saved? This is the best thing you could ever have, right? I mean, you get full uh, health benefits, full mental health, full retirement, full, you know, life insurance, fire insurance, you know, all the above, right? I mean, it's a pretty good deal. Why wouldn't you want that? You know, you have access to the greatest power in the universe living on the inside of you. You have the right and privilege to be full of joy every single day, to be free from, from oppression every single day, to be victorious over the entire world every single day. How is that not a good thing? And yet the world like, oh, that's just for you. It's such a patronizing, you know, condescending, oh, that's just for you. Well, you know, that's because you don't know what you're talking about, right? Uh, when people say that, you know, they, they say it from some, such an intellectually superior standpoint as if they are smarter than the Holy Ghost. Who's anybody smarter than the Holy Ghost? No. I'm always amazed at these scientists, you know, who get so smart, they're smarter than God. Uh, oh, you know, uh, you know, God, you know, and that, well, there's no, there's no way, you know, I'm an atheist. There's no way there could be a God, you know, it's, you know. Uh, it, it should be that the smarter you get, the more obvious it should be that there is a God in heaven. Yes. Uh, and when you are so smart that you don't know that there's a God in heaven, you're way too smart. And when you get to heaven and, and you stand before the Lord Jesus, and everybody will, there's not a single uh, human being that has ever existed that will not stand before the great king of kings. And, and, and if you think that you'll be able to pull out your intellectualism and, and outwit God, I mean, it's going to be embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, it's just going to be, you know, some of these great, you know, geniuses of the earth, you know, that have died as atheists. They will stand before the, for the Lord. And then the Lord will just show them one thing. Well, here's why you couldn't figure out that one equation that you spent your lifetime trying to figure out. If he'd have just divided by two, you'd have got the answer, right? I mean, he'll, you know, I don't know if he'll do that or not, but, but uh, there'll, there'll be no comparison. And I can't imagine that if you stand in his presence that you'll feel any kind of superiority at all. You'll, you'll be mad You'll be angry, you know, and there'll be things like, well, why didn't you show me that you existed? And he said, I said in my word, nature declares that I am God. You look at the trees and, and know there has to be a God. Uh, you can look at a blade of grass and know there's no way this was an accident. A, a, a being uh, designed this and created these things. There's no way that, that, uh, that uh, you can live a life without recognizing that there's a God. Uh, and the thing is, we will all uh, uh, have to face him. But, uh, you know, I, I told you my story uh, uh, before church. I, I didn't know the Lord growing up. We weren't a Christian family. We didn't go to church. Uh, but I desired to know the Lord because I'm a human being. All human beings desire to know the Lord. There's not a human being that's breathed a, a single breath on this earth that is not desired to know God. Uh, and the smart ones will pursue him and will find him. He said, if you seek for me, you will find me, right? Uh, seek and you shall find. Uh, there's not a single person who's ever sought for the Lord that, that did not find him. But many times, you know, we'll, we'll say, well, if there's a God, he'll have to show, he'll have to prove himself to me. He, he owes you nothing. Uh, uh, and a lot of people, well, if God, you know, uh, I mean, even I've talked to Christians and, 
you know, I don't believe in miracles. If God would just prove to me by doing one miracle for me, I'll believe in miracles. As if the God in heaven owes you anything. As, he, as if he answers to you. As if, you know, the, as, as if you are, are over him. Uh, I mean, we're going to, when we stand before him, we're all going to feel so small. And he's going to be so big. Uh, and, and it's not to, to scare us. I look forward to standing before the Lord Jesus. I look forward to see, seeing him in reality. And, uh, and while we're on this earth, we have the blessing to learn how to work with him. Every day we can work with him. He lives on the inside of me and he's real. He's not some, he's not some Sunday morning event that I go to. He's who I am. Uh, and in fact, Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Uh, and, I, and I know all about that statement. I, I think about that. All. I am who I am by the grace of God. I'm not I, I'm not I am who I am because I'm so smart and I've got uh, I've got a degree after my name or I've got I have some accomplishment in this earth. You know, the, the 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 wealthiest person in the world is a pauper compared to the Lord God. Nobody in the earth lives like God lives today. They think they do. Kings, you know, are all poor people compared to the Lord, you know. And they act like they're so important. And some, and some many times our uh, collection of natural things uh, uh, causes us to think that we're somebody of importance. Uh, you remember what, what the Lord said, that John the Baptist was the greatest prophet uh, that had been on the earth, greater than Elijah, greater than Elisha, greater than Moses. He said he's the greatest prophet that had ever existed on the earth. He said the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. Uh, that, that me, that's because God lives on the inside of you. God did not live on the inside of John the Baptist. He wasn't born again yet. But because God lives on the inside of you, all of us are greater than the greatest prophets that have ever existed. The, 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 the mildest Christian on the earth is greater than all the prophets that have come before them in the earth, according to the words of the Lord Jesus. That, that says a lot, amen? Sometimes we sell ourselves, well, I'm just nobody. Well, that may be true, but you, as nobody, are greater than the greatest prophet that has ever existed on the earth, other than the Lord Jesus. You know, he, he uh, didn't count himself in that, in that class at that time. Uh, and so that's a pretty good place to start from, amen? Pretty good place to start from. And, and the intellectualism of the, of the world is just wearying to me sometimes. It's a, they think they're so smart. It's like, you know, and, and I can understand all the things they say, and I think it's still the dumbest thing I've heard. You know, whatever theory they come up with about, you know, well, you know, because the world many times is trying to replicate the morality of Christianity without actually being a Christian. Uh, but the problem is it'll fail every time. I mean, it, it cannot exist. Man cannot legislate morality because they don't understand the absolute truths of the Word of God. They think morality will shift and change as, as the times of sand go by that, well, what was moral yesterday is not really moral today. You know, uh, you know, it used to be a man married a woman. You know, now it's, you know, a man can marry his dog, you know, and, and so yeah, that's moral. Well, yesterday they couldn't do that, but today it's OK. Well, that's because men are, are really lame at, at, at having any absolutes in their lives by themselves. They have to have uh, help from them. And men, men are not designed to be free from from the Lord. Men are not designed to live free from religion. Men are not designed to live free from the Spirit of God. Amen. Men are designed, we are created in God's image. Every human being that's come into the earth was breathed the breath of life by God himself. Amen. The Bible says that God is the Father of all spirits. All spirits. Every spirit that's coming to the earth, every man, woman, and child that's coming to the earth who's breathed the breath of, of spiritual life by God the Father himself. Breathe that breath into that child into the earth. Every, every human being has the fingerprint of God upon them. Uh, and so that's why they all that's why every civilization in the world has always had religion. There's never been a civilization free from religion. You know, pe people think that there's a constitutional amendment that says we have the freedom from religion. No, it's freedom of religion yes. it means we get to choose to believe or not believe. That's fine. But you can't choose for me not to believe. Uh, that's not your right. I get to choose to believe what I ever want to. Mm -hmm. And so men will choose what they want. But every human being, they, they'll, you know, uh, uh, the, the Lord showed me one thing about atheists one time, and it was kind of a funny thing. He said, there's, no, there's really no such thing as atheists. He said, there's only uh, people who think they're atheists, right? Because there is, you know, they think there's no God. But that doesn't matter whether they think there is a God. So they only think there's a God. They only think there's no God. When they get to heaven, they realize there's a God, right? So there's no such thing as atheists, right? Uh, and now they're all going to be in for rude awakening someday. But, uh, you know, if you're breathing air, they got a shot. Amen. So I'm not mad at any of them. Uh, I'd be glad to get them all born again. Amen. Uh, and, and, um, uh, and, and so don't ever let these non-Christians 
the people that are outside the Christian, and regardless of if they're involved in any other religion, you know, Islam or Buddha or Hindus or whatever it is, you know, um, the Native Americans, you know, they've got all their, all their gods and things they serve. Uh, but don't ever let anybody try to put you down. Oh, you're just one of those Christians. Oh, you need a crutch. You know, you need, it's, that's the dumbest intellectually barren statement I've ever heard. Uh, I've always, all my life, sought for people who know more than me to be around them, to gain wisdom that they have. And the only one I know that knows more than anybody else in the world is the Lord God himself. I love being around him. I love having him in me. I love uh, fellowshipping with him and talking to him and spending time with him because he knows more than I'll ever know. And it's embarrassing to even make a statement like that because it's so far of how much he knows more than all of us combined. Uh, And so don't ever let anybody, you know, don't ever feel inadequate when some, you know, important person outside the church tries to belittle you as a Christian. Oh, well, you know, that's for the 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 that's for them. And they'll, they'll look at you, you know, them uh, as if you're, you're as if you're less of a human being than they are. And yet uh, the Lord Jesus himself said, if you're in the kingdom of heaven, you're greater than all the prophets that's ever come. Yeah. You think about, you know, oh, we, we need a Moses to show up. We need Elijah to call fire down from heaven. Are you a child of God? You're greater than all of them right now because you have greater power in you today, this moment, this very second than every prophet that, that walked the land before the Lord Jesus. Uh, and so don't ever feel inadequate. Uh, you have the greatest power in you. And, and the Lord desires for us to work with that power every day. Uh, amen. And so, uh, and so that's, that's uh, uh, Mark chapter 16. So let's turn over to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2 here. So one of the ways that uh, we need to train ourselves to work with the Lord is uh, what he talks about here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, and so, uh, well, we've got to get over there, right? Um, well, you know, he, he uh, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll move on here to chapter 2 here. So in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, he says in verse 9, he says, But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And many people stop right there. See, you can never know. You just can't know because, you know, we, we don't have it in our hearts, right? No, nobody's seen these things. But then what's verse 10 say? But God hath revealed them to who? To us. Well, he didn't say to me, Paul, the apostle. He said to us. So if he's given it to us, who is part of us? Well, you are, right? I'm part of us. You're part of us. All of us are part of us. He's revealed them unto us by what? By his spirit. Uh, and for the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So if there's something that you need to know, then who can reveal that to you? The Holy Spirit, right? Uh, and so one of the things we need to learn is how to be sensitive when the, when the Holy Spirit wants to reveal something to us. Well, how does he do that? Well, he, he always comes to our spirit and our spirit illuminates our mind. Uh, because he's a spirit, he's going to communicate with our spirit. And these things always come through our spirits. You know, they don't come directly to your mind. They come through your spirits first, and your spirit will illuminate your mind because you're going to think about those things, but it's going to come through the spirit. His spirit's going to communicate with your spirit, and he's going to reveal these things to you. What's he going to reveal? Whatever that you have need of. And so if there's something that you're lacking, you can ask the Lord, Lord, reveal this to me. How do I do this? You know, what what does this work? Uh, But it also goes into the will of God. People say, I just don't know the will of God. It says right there, he can reveal it to you, right? The deep things of God. You know, I mean, I'd be glad with just kind of the shallow things of God. You know, we can start shallow things and we can go into the deep eventually. But, you know, I'd be pretty happy just getting to know the shallow things of God on a regular basis. Uh, and, uh, and so he can reveal these things to us. And so the spirit of revelation is part of the benefits of being a child of God. And this can work all the time in your life. And what you need to do is as you as you get these things revealed, always be sure to give him the credit and the glory for those things. Don't ever act like, oh, look at what I came up with. Really? You came up with that all by yourself. Oh, yeah. Not likely. Right. Uh, you know, the, the Lord uh, has revealed uh, things probably to all of us. Uh, but many times if we're not careful, we'll take the glory of that revelation unto ourselves. Well, look what I figured out. Right. Uh, and we always need to make sure to give him the glory for all that you have. 
And I'll just give you one example of things that have been revealed to me over the years. But I can give you dozens of examples of things that have been revealed to me over the years. Just you got a knowing, right? He reveals it to your spirit. He illuminates your spirit. And you know, somehow you know that it, it illuminates your mind. But somehow you know that. So you didn't know it five seconds ago. Uh, and I can't tell you how many times I prayed, Lord, I don't understand. Show me what this means. Show me how this works. Show me what this does. Uh, and I'll get revelation. And, and, you know, when I was in college, um, you know, I had I had a, a car that uh, was having some uh, problems and um, I had a uh, uh, sort of an acquaintance that said they knew how to work on cars, but they lied. Right. And uh, so they they worked on the car, but they didn't know how to work on cars. And so I had all kinds of problems and and I couldn't figure out what it was. So I finally installed some gauges, some extra gauges. And one of the gauges I, ha- I installed was an, was an amp meter, which tells you how many uh, uh, ampers of of uh, current is going through your system uh, and and it had whatever the the maximum value was it was like 60 amps it was some huge amount of uh, amperage uh, i'd be driving down the road and that thing would just peg over to the maximum value which you know the, i'm amazed the car never burst into flames it really should have just at any given time just burst into flames or whatever they wired up just completely wrong uh, but fixing electrical problems in a car is expensive right you ever had somebody hey i got this little thing doesn't work you know and uh, in fact uh, my brand new car it would had this this light sensor came on the sensor came on and i had to i took it to the shop they don't have them work on it they they spent all day hours like seven or eight hours right we were there seven or eight hours at the shop because uh, we thought we were just gonna you know be a quick thing you know it wasn't a quick thing and they said it, it turned out it was an electrical problem between just two wires that were not quite joined together they spent eight hours on it well you know if i had to pay you know, the going rate, you know, $75 an hour or something for, for a mechanic like that to work on it, that'd be a thousand. Well, I didn't have a thousand dollars, you know, as a college student. You know, I didn't have any money as a college student. Uh, and so, so I, you know, I'm, I don't know what to do. I'm just, you know, I'm, but I'm in class one day. We had a big lecture hall there. Uh, I'm in class and we, were, we happened to be talking about electrical things, you know, nothing to do with cars, but just electrical theory and, and things in the engineering school. Uh, and, and right in the middle of that, right in the middle of whatever the professor was saying, the Lord gave me a revelation of how to fix my car. He showed me the whole thing. Now, there wasn't like a sky parted. It wasn't, you know, like a booming voice. It was just a revel. I knew on the inside of me. And I saw just, you know, it wasn't like an open vision, but I just saw in, in my spirit, man, how to fix it. He showed me all the wiring from the, from the battery all the way to the alternator and everything in between. Now, it, here's how to wire that up. Well, I'd never done anything like that. I was a mechanical engineer, right? Electrical stuff was voodoo magic. It wasn't, you know, I don't know how to do a lot of stuff. Uh, and so I went down to Walmart. I bought me a, wire, a roll of wire and uh, some wire cutters. And uh, I bat- bypassed hundreds of feet of what I had no idea what they did. Like, wow, what's that wire do? I have no idea. So I just bypassed it, wired it up the way the Lord said. First time I started up, it worked fine. It worked perfect till the, till the day I got rid of that car. And I still don't know what all those other wires did that I just buy. Well, I wonder what that did. You know, I mean, it's got to be there for something, right? It's like an appendix. Everything was an appendix. I mean, who knows what those wires did? But just just in class, the Lord revealed, right? So he can reveal anything. Doesn't he know everything? So if we so our faith needs to be, Lord, you you will reveal. See, that's what, so all of it working with the anointing has to be done by faith. Lord, I believe you will reveal. I, I believe you will show. I believe you will reveal whatever it is that I had that I need to know. Uh, how to fix things and how to do things and how to, you know, uh, what to say and when to say it. And you will reveal. Uh, and, and that's the, that's the part of uh, that, that. That's the beginning part of work, learning how to work with the Lord is knowing that he's the great revealer. Now, he said, uh, how does he reveal by his what? By his spirit. So he does it by the spirit of God, right? Because the spirit of God lives where? He lives on the inside of you right now. Now, all the prophets of old didn't have the spirit on them, uh, in them, right? They didn't have the spirit come upon them. And, and as we go along, we may talk some more about that, but the difference between uh, the anointing of, of ministry and the anointing of, of the church. But you, you all have an anointing right now. We talked about that in 1 John chapter 2, right? In fact, I think it'd be good just to uh, repeat those two verses there. In for, over in 1 John chapter 2, <clears throat> uh, he said here in... Um, uh, verse 20, he said, but you have an unction or, or an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Well, uh, why do we know all things? 
Who else knows all things? Well, the Lord knows all things, right? So if the Lord knows all things, then you have the capacity to know all things, right? Now, it doesn't mean you're going to know every single thing that exists. You're going to know all the things that pertain to your particular life, right? Uh, and the same thing he said uh, just over in verse 27 of the same chapter. He said, but the anointing which you have received of him abideth where? In you. So that anointing, right, that, that, that spirit of God, and anytime you see the anointing, it's just the manifest presence of God. That's all it means. It doesn't, there's no special, you know, uh, uh, angel dust or anything like that. It's just the spirit of God. Amen. But uh, it's the spirit of God manifesting himself in your life. But that, that uh, spirit of God uh, is in you, and you, you need not that any man teach you, but it's the same anointing teach you of all things, and it's the truth and it's no lie, and even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. So uh, now he says, uh, understand when he says that you have no need that any man teach you uh, because he said uh, that anointing teaches you of all things. And, and so sometimes people have used this verse to say, well, then we don't need pastors. We don't need teachers. We don't need prophets or apostles. Right. And they say because people don't read the Bible, they just read one verse and they make doctrine out of it. But then why did Paul uh, say that we need apostle, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers? So either they're in conflict, right, or, or we're, we're not stating it correctly. But uh, what he's saying is you don't need Chip Bolio to give you a book report and, and, and my three points in a poem. It's not going to help you. What you need is for your pastor to be anointed of God, to teach you by the Spirit of God, uh, to reveal things to you that, that he has been revealed to by the Spirit of God. That's what you need. And so you don't need me teaching you. You need the Holy Spirit in me teaching you. And that's really all, all ministers should be ministering by the Spirit of God because you don't need my, in, my intellectual ability. You don't need my ability to put together notes and outlines. And uh, I mean, you know, what in the world? That's not going to win the day. That's not going to overcome any demonic uh, influence in your life. Uh, that's just going to uh, satisfy your, 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 your brain, right? But that's not going to cause you to be an overcomer. So a lot of times people will say, well, I don't need... Uh, I don't need any of the ministry gifts because God will teach me everything. No, he said, in fact, he said in, in Ephesians 4.11, after he gave the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, he said why, he was why they were given for the perfecting of the saints. The very first rule, very first job uh, responsibility of all ministers is to perfect the saints. In other words, cause the saints to grow up. So if you say you don't need the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, you, are te you will technically never grow up as a Christian. Uh, because if God said, I gave them to, to cause you to grow up, and you say, I don't need them, then you can never grow up. Uh, that, that doesn't mean that they're your God. They are not your God, right? I don't stand in any office of, of, of Godship at all. I'm uh, simply a minister of the gospel. Uh, but then also, the other side of that, that you have no man, have no, have no, you have need not that any man teach you. Now, I see this in a church many times, that especially if somebody of, of say, influence, right? Somebody's maybe got some money, or position, or power. A lot of times a church is easily influenced by somebody like that. Oh, look at that. Look at all the money they got. They must be important. Uh, and let's go, let's go find out how they get their money. I've got no interest in, in sitting at the feet of some heathen person that doesn't know God, uh, because I can guarantee you every one of them have done uh, things by hook and crook, uh, and cheated and lied and stole to get where they're at. Now they all oh, look at them, but they got all this money. Yeah, but to go back and look how they got there, uh, what, they, what dealings that they did that they would not pass the muster in the church, that, you know, you can't walk in love and do the dealings that they did to get where they're at. Uh, and even if they were a fairly moral person, uh, you know, how many of them do you know that, that, that can't keep the same wife all of their life, right? Uh, they can't uh, keep, uh, they, they'll say things, well, I'm not going to give any money to my children. Even though the Bible says, you know, that a wise man, a good man, will give money to his children's children. Um, and, well, I'm not doing that, you know. Uh, well, you're not raising your kids right, you know. Then raise them right. And, uh, but see, uh, I, uh, people will brag on worldly people all the time because they're, they're somebody important. Mm. They, I mean, I am not impressed with anybody. The, the person, you know, the person I'm probably the most impressed with all my life that I've met, still to this day made an influence on me, was a pastor of a church in Belarus, uh, over in Eastern, Eastern Europe, uh, and he said he, he's been pastoring 11 people for a dozen years, uh, and, and he loves it. But the, 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 the Spirit of God that was on this man made an impression in my life. 
I thought, you know, Lord, if I can ever be half the man that is, that he is, I will feel like I've accomplished something. Uh, you know, the, the Bill Gates, and I'm not mad at Bill Gates or Warren Buffett or any of those famous rich people, you know, but, but uh, you know, they, and they may have some, some specific knowledge that might be a benefit to me, but I don't, I don't elevate them to any, they're, they're nobody, they're not important in my life at all. I don't elevate them as, oh, wow, they're just, they're good, they know so much. I'm not going to chase after ungodly people. But I've seen so many people in a church chase after ungodly people and try to become wealthy like them or important like them. Uh, and it will ruin you because the only way you can get to be like them is to is to do what they did, which has always been odd to me because, you know, when I got saved and I started uh, uh, getting understand what the word of God says. I found people like Brother Hagen who said, you know, I never have ill will against anybody. I walk in love every day, uh, you know, and other great ministers, men and women of God. And I said, well, that person is successful. That's what I want to be like. I want to be a person who is whose character can never be uh, modified by money or greed or, or situations. I want to be a person who's, who walks in love regardless of the circumstance. That's the person I want to be. Uh, and everything else will come along with that. All the blessings of the Lord will come along with that because the Lord, when you get saved, He starts you at 100%. You don't start at zero. You start at 100%. Streets of gold and all the blessings of heaven, all the inheritance of the Lord comes with you the day you, you, you accept the Lord Jesus. And so all you then spend the rest of your life is, Lord, how do I how do I get that? How do I understand that? How do I how do I uh, uh, obtain and get access to those things that already belong to me? Uh, and you find out then that he's the revealer. He shows you how to do those things. You know, all the greatest men and women of the Bible in the Old Testament were the wealthiest men of their time. You know, Job and, and David and Solomon and Abraham. And uh, I don't know about uh, about Noah, you know. But uh, many of the, the, the great men and women of, of old were the most successful people of the world. People would come from all over the world to go see Solomon. And sometimes they would come to see him for the riches that he had. But many times they would come to see him for the wisdom that he had uh, because he was smarter than everybody else. Uh, and, and so there's, there, there's no limit to how great you can be in the Lord. Uh, and the nice thing is when the Lord provides you those blessings, there's no curses that come along with it. You know, a lot of these wealthy people, they're, they're cursed with no, nobody loves them. They're, they're alone, right? They've got no family. Uh, they're, they're under pressure. They're in depression. They're on uh, medication. You know, all of them are trying to figure out how to live forever. And they'll spend billion dollars trying to solve uh, the problem of dying, right? And, and uh, because they're afraid of death. They're afraid of dying, afraid of ending this life because uh, they don't know what, what's on the other side. Well, I know what's on the other side. You know, I don't I'm not planning on dying today, but I look forward to the breathing my last breath on this earth and being in the presence of the Lord God. Uh, and so uh, be careful about uh, that. Uh, you're seek you're seeking after ungodly men and women. Their riches and their positions are of no value. They will all burn up in the end. Uh, seek after the great wisdom and, and spirit of, of great men and women. Find out what makes them tick. Find out how they got to where they got. Find out why Brother Hagen was able to say, you know, I, I walk in love every single day. Uh, how, did, how can someone say that? You know, people say that, but, uh, but he did it. Uh, how did he do that? What, uh, what gave him the ability to do that? That's what I seek after. When I, when I read after men and women of God, I find out, you know, Lord, I don't care about the things they have. I don't care about how big a ministry they have. I don't care about how many cars they have or, you know, houses they have. I care about who are they? How did they get to where they were? Uh, what, how do they act? Uh, and because uh, then I can then I can line up. See if they're uh, just a because a lot of ministers are mean and cruel people, and they got yeah okay so now they they're they're a big ministry, but they're not very kind people. So I don't I don't want to get riches like they got them, but then you find other people they're the kindest uh, most gentle people in the world, and yet they may have natural things that come along with it, uh, and so. Uh, what I've found out is if you'll, uh, I mean, he literally said that in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, right? He said, seek you the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? All these things will be added unto you, right? So the priority is the Lord. Uh, and, and if we're intelligent people, and we should be, then our priorities in this life ought to be the Lord, amen? Uh, and so, so he said uh, that, uh, that God is the revealer, right? Uh, and that... Um, um, uh, and that uh, he will reveal all things to us. And so uh, I wanted to, let's turn over what time we got. Oh, yeah, we got time. So let's turn over to 1 John chapter 5. 
Well, we're in chapter 2, right? So let's just go over one more chapter there to, to a couple chapters there. Um, and so in, in, this whole, in this whole teaching about working with the Spirit of God and, and working with the anointing of God, you know, the, the very first step is, is knowing and believing by faith that God is the revealer, right? So do you believe that? Do you believe that when the Word says that He reveals things to us by His Spirit, do you believe that? See, if you don't believe that, then, then that's what you'll get, right? But if you do believe that, if you will meditate on that, Lord, you're the revealer. You showed me things. You show me, you'll, you'll show me things every day. Uh, see, you, start, you need to start developing your faith in that. The Lord, you show me things. I believe you show me things. You didn't limit it to ministers. You didn't limit it to just first century Christians or to only the apostles. You said you reveal things to all of us, to the church, right? Uh, and so start developing your faith in that uh, and, the, and believing things. And so then he'll, he'll begin to show you things uh, in your life, right? Whatever they are. Now, the, 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 the problem we run into sometimes uh, in the church, especially in the charismatic church, I see this more in the charismatic church than anywhere else because we're so involved with the Spirit of God, right? In, in the charismatic Pentecostal churches, we believe in the Spirit of God. We believe the Spirit of God is, is real, that he lives on the inside of us. He does speak to us. Uh, and you know, a lot of churches don't even know that, right? A lot of churches aren't, don't, never taught that. Uh, and so... Uh, but because we believe that, there will be a tendency for the charismatic church to be more fanatical in this area than other churches. And this is where we have to find the balance to not be fanatical and get out of balance in our lives because it's really easy to do that. Well, God told me to do that. And God never told you to do that, right? Uh, saying, I mean, he talked about uh, in the Old Testament, about prophets who say that God said so and I never said so. Uh, and he comes down hard on prophets that, uh, that uh, would say that. And many prophets will say, thus said the Lord, when the Lord didn't say. Uh, and the uh, nice thing we have is we live in the New Testament. You have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Amen? Don't ever listen to any prophet who says, thus said the Lord, and what they say is not godly. Uh, but, and because he says here in 1 John chapter 5, and verse 7, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. These three are the one. Now, who is the word? Jesus is the word, right? Uh, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Uh, and so, the, the, but the Father, the word, and the Holy Ghost. But I like that the fact that they use the word specifically in, this, in the context of that. So that tells you that whatever you think the Holy Spirit is telling you, will it ever violate the word of God? It'll never violate, because they agree, right? There are three that agree in heaven, right? The, the Father, the word, and the Spirit. And, and they can never be in disagreement. Uh, and yet there are people that over the years that have said, I know more than the Bible. What I know is not in the Bible. What I know is beyond the Bible. And they'll say that from a Christian perspective. They'll say that from a ministerial perspective. Uh, and, and, you know, when someone says something like that, I think that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, right? And that person just, just, just went down uh, 50 points in their IQ by saying something as dumb as that. And yet people will follow for that. People will follow that for that because... Sometimes we have itching ears. Well, I want to hear something new and cool and, and, you know, and, and, you know, relevant, right? I want to hear something relevant. Well, I don't think it's any more relevant than learning how to work with the greatest power in all the universe that lives on the inside of you right now. To me, that's pretty relevant, right? Be successful in everything you do. That everything you lay your hands to is prosperous. That's pretty relevant, right? I mean, to live a life free from depression and sadness and, and, and mental anguish and, and tears and, and pain and agony and sickness and disease and poverty and lack and... I mean, how many Christians live in that stuff every day? Uh, and, and I don't live in any of that, ever, you know. Uh, and uh, don't ever plan on, on participating in that, amen? Uh, but see, uh, uh, if you want to be successful in learning how to work with the Spirit of God, you've got to believe this verse is so, that whatever the Spirit of God says will always be in agreement with His Word, always. And if you're anything that's even slightly askew from the Word of God, Right. You remember uh, what Eve said in the garden when 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 uh, the devil uh, came to her. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the devil, in fact, uh, I think it'd be good just to, to go back over there and read that. Turn back to the, the book of beginnings there in uh, Genesis chapter two here. I've got to get through all my index there and then Genesis chapter two. So. Um, Well, let's see, actually chapter 3 there. So he made, he made Adam and Eve in chapter 2, but then the temptation occurs 
in chapter 3, and it says in verse 1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now, you know, the devil, you think about it. Uh, did he tempt Eve with, with uh, uh, fornication or drugs or money or position or power? No. What did he attempt her with? Hath God said. He will always try to destroy the word of God in your life. Always. He could care less about all the other stuff. His greatest fear is that you know anything of what the Bible says. Because a Christian who knows what the word said cannot be defeated. A Christian who knows how to make money can be defeated every day. A Christian who's the, mo the most important person in the world will be defeated every day. But the Christian who knows what the word of God says can never be defeated. Uh, and, and the devil, he did this with Eve. He did it with, with, uh, with Jesus in, in, the, in the garden, I mean, in, in the wilderness there. Very first thing he tempted Eve with was, hath God said. You know, all you Christians, you believe that Bible stuff, you know, you can cling to your guns and Bibles, your religion, whatever, you know, and we're, we're important people over here, you know, blah, 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 right? You sound, you know what you sound like? You sound just like the serpent, right? Hath God said, you know, I'm important. Hath God said, now you sound just like a snake uh, and slithering around, you know, with your forked tongue and all that. Hath God said, and the woman said on the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the fruit of the trees of the garden. You know, it's, remember that the two, the only two trees that God uh, uh, separated from all the other trees what were the two trees. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of tree of life. You know, he never told them not to eat of the tree of life. And yet they never did. Because remember, he said, we've got to get them out of the garden before they eat of the tree of life. Uh, you know, you, well, you wonder why. You know, the Lord only called out two trees. And one you can eat, one you can't eat. Which one do they want? One you can't eat, right? And, you know, it's been how many thousands of years? Humanity has not changed a bit. You do whatever you want to. God, you do whatever you want to except for that. Well, that's the only thing I want to do. I mean... Well, you know, well, what about his other things? Well, I, but I want to only want to do that one thing. You know, nothing's changed, right? Because humanity, because the, the curiosity of humanity, you know, the, you know, that type of stuff. Uh, and so, but she said, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it, which is true. Neither shall you touch it. Did God say that? God never said, don't touch it. But what did she say? God said, touch it. Well, I believe the Bible says this. Yeah. Well, but yeah, but what's the Bible actually say? Did the Lord actually say don't touch it? No. The Lord never said don't touch it. So, so what is Eve showing? She's showing her ignorance of the word of God. She, you know, she's just showing her philosophy of what, well, you know, if you, shan't, if you, if you can't eat it, you probably, you, you can't, you know, I mean, God doesn't want you to touch it either. Did God say don't touch it? Now, if you're wise, you know, you ought not touch it probably. I mean, if you can't handle the temptation, just don't go, you know, well, I'm going to go, you know, hang around, you know, the beer joint, you know, even though, I'm, you know, I was an alcoholic for a lot of years. I'm just, you know, just to prove that I can, you know, handle the temptation. That's that's ignorance. Right. Uh, you know, just uh, just don't go around the tree. Right. Put a wall around it for whatever, whatever it takes. But uh, but see, the Lord didn't say that. So these things agree. Right. The father, the word and the spirit. And if you don't know what the word says. You know, I mean, at this point in time, there are only two people on the earth and 50 percent of them don't know what the word says. That's pretty bad, right? I mean, only only two people into the into the whole plan of, of humanity. And already half the people don't know what God says. Right. Adam knew what he said because he told Adam that, you know, and Adam had to tell Eve that. And somewhere along the way, there, there was some uh, confusion lost in translation. And so she added to what the Lord to what the Lord said. Right. You ever hear people say, well, you know, the Bible says God won't put on you any more than you can bear. You ever heard that one? Isn't that a great one, right? It's not Bible at all, right? The Bible doesn't say that anywhere, anywhere in the Bible, right? It doesn't say God won't, won't allow you to be uh, tempted above that you can handle. He did say that, but, but people always act like God won't put on you more than you can bear. Well, God's not putting it on you to begin with. He said his yoke is what? And his burden is what? So if he's putting it on you, it's like, oh, that kind of feels good. I mean, if it's easy and light, that should feel pretty good, right? It was all oh, these burdens of the Lord. They're so hard carrying the revelation of God, you know, and, and it's like, you know, I just make you want to toss your cookies because it ain't hard. No. Easiest thing in the world to be a Christian. That's Easiest true. thing. Oh, it's so hard resisting temptation. Mm -hmm. uh, no, it's not. It's just a lie. 
Because is that what the word says? These things agree. Does that, does that statement line up with what the word says? It does not line up with the word says, so you should throw it away. Never, and burn that out of your, uh, out of your conversation. Never say anything like that again. And yet Christians, you know, it's so exhausting sometimes to hear them talk. It's like, what is wrong with you? Easy and light. Easy and light, right? That's the easiest thing in the world to be a Christian. Uh, in fact, it's easier than being a heathen. It's easier because in heathen, you've got to lie, cheat, and steal, and you've got to remember who you lied to. Oh, did I lie to you about that one? I didn't, okay, okay I, I, I lied to you about that. Well, I lied to you about this one over there. And they've got to keep up all the lies they keep up with, right? Uh, and, and, you know, there's never okay to lie. Well, sometimes you've got to lie. People say that. Well, sometimes you've got to lie. No, you don't. That's a lie about a lie. Uh, people lie like that all the time. You know, it's, it's actually perfectly fine to be a, a good moral Christian who doesn't lie, cheat or steal. It's perfectly fine. If you believe the Lord has your back and that he'll always provide, Easy singer will be a Christian. You know, if someone takes advantage of you, who cares? The Lord's got my back. So what if you got one over on me? I'm going to walk on streets of gold. My father has, the Bible says that, that uh, cattle on a thousand his are his, right? In fact, he said the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You know, he's never transferred ownership of the earth to anybody. He, he transferred authority of the earth to Adam in the garden, but he never transferred ownership of the earth. The Bible is that he always has declared that the earth is his and the fullness thereof. It belongs to the Lord. If it belongs to him, you know what? I'm a child of God. That means I have an inheritance. It means I own the earth. I'll take that piece of land over there. I'll take that piece of land over there. I'll take that cattle. I don't really want a cattle on a thousand hills because then you've got to feed them, right? You've got to deworm them. You gotta, I mean, whatever you've got to do with the cattle, I mean, you know, whatever. It's a lot of work to keep up with cattle, right? And then, I mean, bad enough, you've got a, 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 few, a few heads. Of cattle. Now you've got a thousand hills of, of cattle, right? And that's a lot to keep up with. I don't want all that uh, responsibility. Let somebody else do that. Uh, but, the, but the thing is, uh, the very first failure of humanity was, was when they did not allow the Word of God to agree with the Spirit of God. Because uh, uh, if you say something uh, that's not biblical, the Spirit of God will rise up on the inside of you. And he, he'll be like, and what's he doing? He's revealing to you that what you're saying or what you're believing is not so. And then you've got to learn to yield to that. You've got to learn to, well, Lord, is that really what your Word says? That it's so hard being a Christian, Right. Uh, you know, I told you about the, 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 it was supposed to be a quote revival. You know, the evangelist up there and, and she was bent over. She said, Oh, the devil's been on my back. Oh, she was doing this right here. Oh, the devil's been on my back all week long. Oh, it's been so hard. You know, and I just, I wanted to throw my shoe at her, you know, cause I thought, well, it's not a very hard <laughs> shoe, but you know, you ever just get the righteous anger rise up. Oh, you? Yeah. How dare you say that? How dare you stand up at a quote revival and declare how big the devil is. Yeah. Now, he's such a small... Remember, the Bible says when we actually see the devil, we go, that's it? That's all you got? That's all you've been? It's just a worm all your life? Yeah, yeah. And, and we thought you're so big and, and you've got me bent over. Oh, it's so hard being a Christian. Oh, the devil's about me. Kick the devil off. Yeah, yeah. Cast him out. Yeah. Get thee behind me, Satan. Isn't what Jesus said? Yeah. Uh, it's, just, it's just pathetic sometimes, the, the, the church and how we act so put upon and so beat down and so... Our life is so hard, and yet the Spirit of God is saying, you rise up, yes. be big. Yes. I'm greater than the whole world. Amen. I've overcome the whole world. Greater is he that's in you than who? Yes. He that's in the world. Yes. So who's in the world? Everybody's in the world. Yes. So that means greater is he than you than, than basically everybody. Yes. I mean, well, it's me against the world. Well, then the world is in a sad position because they've lost. If it's you against the world and the Spirit of God lives on each side of you, then you've already won the battle. And yet people, oh, it's, so, it's just so hard being a Christian. See, the, the, the word and the spirit are in agreement there. What you think the Bible thinks and what, what the spirit of God is saying, is not, they're not in agreement. Every time you say what the Bible says, that spirit of God will go, yeah, that's right. Every time you say, I'm an overcomer, the spirit of God on the you go, that's right. Every time you say, I can't be defeated and can't be overcome, the spirit of God on the inside, you go, that's right. See, though, and, and, and what you'll learn if you'll do that, and see, I confess things like that of my life all the time. I cannot be defeated. I cannot come overcome. Nobody can defeat me. Nobody can overcome me. There's no devil. There's no sin. There's no thought that can overcome me. I just confess to stuff like that in my life all the time, that, the, that these things can't overcome me, that they can't, um, they can't overwhelm my life. Uh, and every time I do, that Spirit of God will agree. This Word and the Spirit will agree. And see, then, then I go on to other revelations. See, then when the Lord reveals something else to me, then I'm so used to the Word that I speak agreeing with the spirit on the inside of me then when the spirit comes see then i know that the word will agree with that 
Uh, and if it doesn't, then I know, well, that's, that's, that's fraudulent. That's, that's not of the Lord. I'm not even going to accept that. But a lot of times Christians will have even a, a, a small supernatural experience and um, automatically assume it's the Lord. Automatically assume that, well, God said that. No, he didn't. Uh, you know, I, um, I was talking to somebody one time and, and they were, a prophet had come to their church and he prophesied over them and said, all the problems you have today as an adult was because you, you had a difficult birthing when you came through the birth canal of your mother. It was difficult. And so now you have all these emotional problems in your life. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't catch yourself quick enough. You just horse laugh. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You get to be exactly who you want to be today. doesn't matter what you were, uh, you know, People that don't know me, don't know my past, think, well, you've got it so easy. You've got it just so easy. You've never been through anything in your life. Nobody's ever been unkind to you. You know, you just grew up a silver spoon in your mouth, you know. And, and, and uh, you know, of course, I I'm not, have no interest in telling them all my story. Uh, but they think I've got it so easy. But I got it so easy because I choose to live that way. I get to choose how I live exactly that I want to today. Nobody can defeat me. Nobody can overcome me. There's no, there's no past or no history or no thought that can run my life. I, I have the power of God living on inside of me. The greatest power in the universe lives inside me right now. And I, and I, and I desire to learn uh, uh, how to work with that revelation that he provides to me every day. Amen. And whatever revelation I believe that he has, I always, always, every single time without exception, will go and see, does this line up with the word of God? Because they'll always agree. And if they don't agree, you know, I'll go, Lord, why did, why did I even think that? Why did I think that the Lord told me that? Why did I think that you told me that? And, you know, uh, usually the answer is, well, you're just in pride or usually, you know, you want to be seen or usually, you know, there's some, some ulterior motive that you have. It could be just because of the pizza that you ate. I don't know. Uh, I don't know all the reasons for that. But uh, number one is the word and the spirit must agree. Uh, and, and you'll never get to where you are comfortable being led to the spirit until you get to that point where you've elevated the word of God, that it always will agree with the spirit of God. And there's nothing that, it, that the spirit of God will ever say to you that will ever, ever go beyond that. And there, there was a minister once uh, year, years ago that was preaching stuff. And, and the other there were other ministers in the crowd and, and other people in the crowd, obviously. Uh, and he was just saying just kind of crazy stuff, right? Stuff that, that I don't know that were in the Bible. And somebody went up to him and said, hey, I mean, some of those things you said, you need to show that to me in the Bible. Because I've never heard anything like that. He said, oh, well, what I believe is way beyond that thing. He called the Bible that thing. And I thought, well, that's, you know, and of course, you know, then they don't ever go back to him, right? Uh, and so, you know, that, that's one issue. But, you know, I've had the exact same thing before uh, in the other way, too, where, you know, I get up and say something the Bible says, kick over some golden calf, you know, and, and uh, anybody remember that song, Running to the Mercy Seat, you know? I used to love singing that song, Running to the Mercy Seat, because it's, oh, we're running the we're going to run to the mercy seat, right? The problem with that is the mercy seat, where was the mercy seat first mentioned in the Bible? The Old Testament, right? Uh, and and uh, what does the book of Hebrews tell us to go to today? It says, come boldly to what? The throne, of the throne of grace. Does it say boldly come to the throne of mercy? No, it says boldly come to the throne of grace. So is, is Jesus sitting on the, the mercy seat today? No, he, where's Jesus sitting? On the throne of grace, right? In fact, biblically, the Bible says Jesus is actually the mercy seat sitting on the throne of grace. He's, he is the mercy seat. So there was a mercy seat in the Old Testament. You remember where the mercy seat was? It, it was on top of the Ark of the Covenant, right? And it was between the two cherubim, right? And so it was the mercy seat. And they'd pour the, the blood on the, on the mercy seat there. And, and it would run down and do those things there. And so, uh, but, but uh, after... Uh, the New Testament after Lord Jesus then went to heaven. Now Jesus is sitting on the throne of grace, right? So we don't run to the mercy seat because it's empty. Yeah, because there was, there, there is a, 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 uh, everything that Moses made in the tabernacle was a shadow of the things there in heaven. So, you know, there's an ark in heaven. There's a mercy seat in heaven. But that mercy seat is empty now because now Jesus moved from that mercy seat, which is how he lived under the Old Testament. Now he, now he sits upon the throne of grace. Uh, but he says in even the throne of grace where you can obtain mercy, right? And find grace to help in time of need. So now we run to the, to the throne of grace, right? Now, does that make sense? I mean, it makes sense to me. If you go somewhere, in fact, he said, come boldly to the throne of grace, right? That you might find grace, uh, that you might find mercy and obtain grace in time of need or in, 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 in seasonable help, right? When, when you need it. So, you know, I made that statement. Hey, we don't run to the mercy seat. And someone called me up after church one day. Said, hey, 
you need to tell me, you know, where you got that book, chapter, and verse. So I gave him like half a dozen verses, you know, Hebrews here, Old Testament here, you know. I gave him the references. Look it up. Right? It says right there, right? We, run, we come to the throne of grace. And you know what they said? I said, well, I'm still going to go to the mercy seat. I said, well, you can go, but nobody's there. Come over here to the throne of grace. We're all over here to the throne of grace. Nobody's at the th- mercy seat no more. It's empty. It's got a for, for rent sign, right? Nobody's, nobody's at the throne of mercy seat anymore. And just like, you know, oh, we got to go cling to the cross, brother. Well, where's Jesus now? Is he on the cross? He's not there. I mean, you can go to the cross. You know, he'd be like, why are you going over there? I'm over here. You know, you come over here where I'm at. You know, come, come, come. My now, I grew up in a Catholic home, you know. By law, you're required to have at least a dozen crucifixes around with Jesus on the cross, you know, and a little sad face and got the tear, you know, one drop of blood, you know, uh, out of his side there. And, uh, and, uh, and he's always got his head tilted. I don't know why it's tilted, but it's always tilted, you know, and, uh, and uh, he's not on the cross. Why, why we got Jesus on the cross? He's not there anymore. In fact, the, the cross was, was the, the, the lowest point of his existence. Now he's seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, you know, I don't know why people do those things, but... But it can work both ways. I mean, if you believe something, you know, we all believe what we believe. Uh, and, you know, I believe that every single thing, without exception, what I believe is 100% right. But I, I'm also open to new information. When the Lord shows me something tomorrow, hey, what you believe for the last 20 years is wrong? Yes, sir. No problem. I'll, I'll just change what I believe, right? If you show me something in the Word that, that conflicts with what I believe, uh, and, and it's not just pulled out of context, but it really is what the Word says, Man, I'll change tomorrow. I'll change right now. No problem at all. Amen. Because the only way you can have faith is to believe that what you believe is so. Amen. Uh, and so, so, so the spirit of revelation uh, is there to provide us all that we need in this life. Amen. And he said he will show us. And so a, as he shows you those things, then you need to make sure that, that uh, according to 1 John chapter 5, that, that the word and the spirit always agree. Uh, and that you're willing to yield to that. Uh, and the biggest problem that you'll run into in, in the church is when you are unwilling to yield to the word of God. When, when the word of God shows you something that is in conflict with your life or what you think or what you're doing or what you're saying uh, and you refuse to change, that, that grieves the spirit of God because he desires for the word of God uh, and his spirit to always agree in your life. Uh, and when that's in conflict, see, it's, the issue is not that it's in conflict. The issue is not that you believe something that's not biblical. The issue is when the revealer, the Spirit of God, right, who, who reveals things to us, the Holy Spirit reveals things. So when he reveals, hey, what you believe is not, not correct, are you willing to change? Some people will go down fighting, you know. Just, I'd rather die than switch, you know, die than change. I know people who do that. They'll rather die than believe that God is a good God, right? Well, he's harsh and mean and cruel and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But he's not. He's a kind God, loving God, right? He desires good things for you. Uh, and so... So I just want to encourage you on that. Those two, those two verses, you know, believe that the Lord is the revealer. It's what the word says, right? He's your teacher. But also believe that everything that he says will line up with the word of God. And that's the, that second statement is the failing of, of the majority of the charismatic church that, that chooses to, to make up crazy statements that God said when God never said because it will never, never, never um, uh, violate his word. And that story I told you about telling him, Laughing at when they when the prophet told them that all their problems because they were had a harsh childbirth, uh, they didn't they got mad at me didn't speak to me for like a year, uh, but it was like two years later maybe three years later they said you know you were right, I mean you know it it wasn't like it it didn't take a great amount of revelation to realize that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard right, uh, but a lot of prophets have said things that were not biblical mm-hmm. and people eat it up because it, it plays on their emotions or it plays on their pride or pray, praise on, on, on their intellect. Uh, but I don't care who says it. Uh, I'm going to take it to the word. Amen. And does it line up with the word of God? Amen. And secondly, does it line up with my spirit? I'm a child of God. I have the spirit of God in me. Amen. Uh, and so, so just know that because we've got the church needs to get to where we, we have and are using the, the revealer in our lives every day. He, uh, how much does the spirit of God know? Everything. If he knows everything, then, then he said he would show us things to come, right? He said he would lead us and guide us in all truth and show us things to come. So how is it that a Christian is ever defeated? We, we should never be defeated. We, we have the capacity to live a life completely successful, never failing, never falling for anything because every situation the Spirit of God will reveal, that's the truth of that situation. Here's which way to go. Here's what to say. Here's what to do. 
The Spirit of God desires, and he'll do that if you'll learn to yield to him and listen to him and judge everything that you think that he says by the word of God. And you'll find, wow, Lord, you know, I've got a pretty good life. Yeah. I'm not failing every day, and everything's not exploding in my life, and uh, not, you know, like sand through my fingers. Uh, that's the way the Lord desires for you to live, amen? Yeah. Uh, and so, so uh, we'll, we'll keep on. We've got a few other things to talk about in this area. But that, that's really the, the first step, and that's the step you'll spend the rest of your life uh, working out and how to do that well. Amen? Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you that you are the revealer, that you do speak to us, you do show us things to come. And, Father, we, we commit ourselves that whatever we think that you are saying in our lives, we'll always judge that by the word of God. We, uh, and anything that, that fails in, in being judged by the word of God, we will not pursue and we will not believe and we will not keep in our lives. And Father, we commit ourselves to that. And so we thank you for that, Father. And we give you the praise and the honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, all right. Is the Lord good? He's good. Amen. You know, I'm, uh, I'm enjoying this, these uh, messages. I just think they're, uh, to me, they're the most relevant uh, thing that every Christian can learn. If you can learn how to work with the God, right? Because you said he works with us. If we can learn how to work with the Spirit of God instead of just working for him, uh, then our lives can be so much better in this, in, in this area, amen? In all of our lives, all of our Christian lives, we can be so much better if we could just learn how to work with it. Because isn't that what he said? The, the Lord was working with him. Um, and so uh, we've got a long ways to go, don't we? Amen, as a church. Uh, and so praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings, and then we'll... Um, uh, get ready for lunch here in just a minute. Amen. Uh, and so don't forget, uh, uh, come ahead, Mr. Jared. Uh, don't forget, um, uh, we've got healing school today at three o'clock. And then um, uh, nothing. Oh, and then Saturday, next Saturday, we're uh, decorating the church for Christmas and that sort of thing. Amen. Uh, good chance we'll make a couple devils mad. You know, it's always good to make a devil mad or two, right? So, yes, ma'am. This Wednesday, we will not have church, right? And so the next Saturday will be the uh, decoration, and then we'll, we'll be back here Sunday. So no church Wednesday, uh, healing school this afternoon, and decorations sun Saturday, and then back to church on Sunday. So, um, all right, we'll, um, we'll go ahead and bless the food, and then uh, we'll get ready to eat. So, Father, we thank you uh, to gather together, for the opportunity to gather together as your people, Father, in times of fellowship reminding ourselves how thankful we are for all the things you've done for us and provided to us, Father. You've been so good to us, so kind to us, Father. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And according to your word, Father, we, we declare this food blessed and sanctified in Jesus' name. Amen. And so uh, we've got uh, a couple of uh, Brian visitors here, and they're here to get some community service. They're required by Brian Law to get so many hours of community service. So we're going to let them uh, do some uh, help for us this morning, right? They're going to set all our tables up there and clean some things, you know. I mean, we don't have a lot to do, but uh, they can help us set up tables and break down tables and all that stuff. And then, of course, they get to eat too, right? So that's a pretty good deal on their part. And then I think we don't, you got some paperwork we got to sign, right? Something like that. Uh, and so, because uh, that's all that matters, right? Get the paperwork signed, right? So, all right, well, let's get everything ready to, to uh, get the table set up and then we'll eat. <laughs> 